Hi, friends. Welcome to the Revenue Real Hotline, where twice a week we'll bring you conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchek, and I'll be your guide. Let's go. There's so many things to talk about. It's actually, I'm really struggling to decide what to ask next. But like one of the things that you mentioned was that when you were talking about active listening and teaching, that it varies how you teach that subject varies based on the generation. I had to stop myself because I was like, I wonder where this is going to go. Because I mean, you think of boomers or people's parents or grandparents and some of the I guess, more uncomfortable political conversations that we either having or avoiding with family members. But then you took it a step further and you spoke about Gen Z in particular and how their communication patterns, they, I don't want to say talk at each other, but there's not many follow-up questions. And so And I'm also laughing, though, when you think about it, Sam, I like this question, like joking around, like how many hours do you think a recent college grad has spent on the phone, phone conversations with people that they know? Should we over under 10 hours total in 22 years up until that point? And so like this idea of actually teaching people how to have these conversations is critical. And with that, I'm going to pause. Like, I don't even necessarily have a question here context or teaching context around who you're speaking with during discovery conversations is critical as well as, you know, how to adjust as the seller to make that other person, I don't know, feel comfortable. But what say you to all that? I think so. a couple of things. One, like I, I really nerd out on this kind of stuff. So question asking, conversation building, how do we use EQ to understand who's in the conversation, who's in the room? How do we get something out of them if they're more excited or more introverted? If they're more excited, how do we get them to stop talking and shift the conversation to other people? Man, not like I've ever been there before. I think to me, like the active listening piece is something that I've always been really good at. I am genuinely curious. I would love to know about you when you share something with me. I'd love to pull that thread and understand a little bit more and so forth. And sometimes that can also be overwhelming for people, right? Like I've been referred to before as when you meet Sam, she is going to ask you a firing range of questions. Don't be alarmed. It's just her natural style. But I think that I can't relate to that either. Not even a little bit. So foreign to me. I think the thing that's interesting about this, though, is that not only is it a generational thing, but it can also be a cultural thing of how you are raised. You're a parent, right? And in our culture, I was born in Switzerland. We go to really long dinners and we talk a lot and we really enjoy our food, but like we talk and talk. We are, we ask a lot of questions. And so that's normal for us. I know certain religions are also this way. They talk a lot. They're inquisitive. They share a lot of information. So it can be cultural. It can be a religious thing. It can be a generational thing. Yeah, geographical by state. I mean, I like talking about how different regions of the country conduct business. And I remember it was a law firm, Sam. Like I it was working with a Seattle firm for the first time. 
And listeners, as Sam and I have, I it seems one of the very few people that I've come across that like really traveled in like legal marketing circles, which mm-hmm. is crazy to me. But anyway, I was working with a Seattle firm for the first time and I was in New York City, right? So like just well, you hustle, like all those stereotypes. We entertainment is a big part of doing business and closing in New York. And so I literally had an unlimited Amex card while at Thomson oh, Reuters, amazing. which I miss. Yeah, I, that, I miss that terribly. Um, Anyway, one of the things that was shared early on in the engagement with the Seattle firm is we don't send emails after five o'clock. Like it was literally considered rude because everyone had already left at that point and it's very naturey or whatever. So we're outside, we're with our family and it, it clicked for me many years ago. And so now it's also one of my favorite things to teach about is, okay, understanding the geographical implications of who you're speaking with as well. I think you're totally right. And I think like the way that I realized this, the thing that were really stuck out to me the most was one, I kind of started to think about this with sales when I heard this great NPR piece and NPR talked about active listeners and question askers. And so think about this. We know from research that's been done by Forrester Research, we know that the number one thing the B2B buyers want from their sellers is active listeners. That never appears. I have yet to see it appear anywhere on a sales enablement list. Now, the next thing that we know is that based on this NPR piece, that people like people more if they ask questions, but they like you exponentially more if you ask active listening questions. We also know that what we think about when how our likability factor, I know who we want to buy from. Yeah. We want to buy from people that we like and we trust. Right. So you think about all these things together. Buyers only want us to be active listeners, but they also buy from people they like and they like people who are active listeners more than somebody who isn't a good question asker. So we're kind of hitting the trifecta there. But where this became apparent to me, I kind of, one of the things I look at for the generational piece is I remember when I met my husband, my now husband, he, in fact, it's his birthday today. He's 38. Happy birthday, husband. Happy birthday, Ryan. I turned 41 a couple of days ago. He's 38. So we have- Happy birthday, Sam. (laughs) Thanks, Amy. But our age gap is relative, right? It's very small. But I remember, I think it was our second set, very oddly, our second date was at a house party that he brought me to. I met his friends for the first time who were about his age or a couple of years younger. And being the inquisitive person I am, I asked questions, I listened to their stories, I asked active listening questions. And we left the party and he was like, oh my God, everybody loved you. And I'm like, that's hilarious. I wonder why. And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, I'll tell you why. They don't know anything about me. But what they love about me is that I asked them questions about themselves and that they got to tell their stories. But then I started observing them and I was like, nobody asks me questions. And I realized, and I started reading up on this, it's a generational thing. So when you think about the lower, the kind of lower end of the spectrum of millennials and then those Gen Zs, what to quote what you said earlier, that is how they exchange information is by talking. It sounds so rude, but it's about talking about themselves. So I show up to the call and I tell you, Amy, oh my gosh, I just had lunch. I had a salad. And then you're like, I had a burrito. And I'm like, I drank a Pepsi. And you're like, I had a ginger ale. That's how we exchange information. And which is kind of contrary to how I do, which is what you have for lunch? What did you drink? Where'd you go? Where'd you grow up? And ask you all those questions. So when we think about teaching our teams active listening and how to be great sellers or even how we do that, right? The generation is huge to consider. What I would say, if this is, if you're listening to this and you're like, I have no idea where to even start, 
I think what you can do is start in your personal life. So as you end the day or you start tomorrow morning, depending what time you're listening to this, think about asking your neighbor, your spouse, your kids, your partner, whoever you roommate, whoever you live with, ask them a question. How was your day yesterday, by the way? What do you have on the docket for today? What are your plans for this weekend? Ask them an open-ended question based on their response. And then ask them another question based on those answers. So if I'm like, Amy, what do you have on, what, it's Thursday. What do you have on the, do- the docket for this coming weekend? They're like, I'm going to hang out with my 90-year-old grandpa. And if I say, cool, I'm going to do this. I'm not active listening, am I? But if I'm like, what, 90? Oh my gosh, show me what the plans are. Is your family coming to town? Like, what's the deal? That's active listening. So just listen to the answer and find one more thing that you can ask on top of that. Now, one additional nugget here. If you really want to ace your game, then think about how you can tell a story. So I would ask you that, Amy. You would tell me about the 90-year-old thing. I would ask you a question about what's the celebration, whatever. And then you would tell me, and I'll say, this makes me think of when my grandmother turned 90. She was my comedy in Switzerland. I flew to Switzerland for 72 hours to be there to celebrate. I remember we were standing at the party and we were looking around and we couldn't find her. And like my grandmother was like a sound mind at night. She wore like leggings or pantyhose and high heels. Yeah. We found her standing at the bar watching a tennis match because she loved tennis. That's awesome. (laughs) So so I can tell you a story, which then get you to probably tell me a story. And then I can ask you another question in return, right? And it's kind of like this delicate dance because if I just kept asking you questions, you'd be like, shut up already. So I have to tell you a story, right? And kind of find a balance there. I love it. And you mentioned something else when you were going through that ask question and then tell story. It also gives the conversation partner a chance to rest, which I thought was pretty brilliant, pretty brilliant. Just give them just rest and listen for a moment. Well, I loved your first step, like starting your personal life, but I would add or or propose a different first step. And that is to pick up a copy of Sell Without Selling Out by Andy Paul, which Sam, I'm not sure. Have you read this one yet? Selling out, selling out. I haven't, but I am going to be on Andy Paul's podcast in the fall. So I'm excited about that. Oh my gosh. He's amazing. Okay. So it breaks down the different, selling out equals being salesy. Selling Mm -hmm. in is essentially the opposite of being salesy. And he differentiates between persuasion and influence, which I thought was brilliant. And also then he goes on to teach about the four different pillars that build on top of one another that lead to selling in. First one is connection. Second one, curiosity. Third mm-hmm. pillar is understanding. And the fourth pillar is generosity. And it's just brilliant. It will take these concepts that you think that you understand. And just I, I, my brain broke multiple times over <laughs> while reading it. But there's when I'm teaching about this now, like he breaks down all a mini guide to like question types. And so I it's helped me tremendously to memorize what those question types are, right? So who, what, when questions, number one, impact questions, trade-off questions, vision questions, insight questions, and follow-up questions. And so I'm a believer of there's an art and science to everything and learning the science is a precursor to actually being able to execute or create meaningful art. And studying about question types is is another place to, to kind of beef up those skills. And then I think studying the conversations that you have, listen to your call recordings and count the questions that you ask, count the times that you ask follow-up questions and actively look for places to level up next time. 
It reminds me of this Salesforce studies. These are two Salesforce reports that came out last year. The first was the state of sales. The second was the state of buying. And I was laughing so hard because on this point of connection, right? I think it was something crazy, like 78% of sellers think that they have done like a fantastic job of connecting, right? They've got that down pat. But on the flip side, I think it was like 92% of business buyers report feeling like a number. Yeah. Oh, like exactly. Because we're going through and that's exactly how we're treating them. So you even think about something super small like this, right? So the small intricacies of the things that we do as reps that make buyers feel that way, like just a number. So consider two great examples that I've got here. Number one, when we were just having this discussion the other day, somebody pinged me and said, hey, I use your show me, you know me so effectively. I got a response from my buyer. I just wanted to let you know it worked. Unfortunately, it wasn't the right time for them. They didn't have a need, whatever. But the show me, you know me really worked. I just wanted to say thanks. And so I was like, you're welcome. Now, they didn't need you. So what did you do next? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what did you do? You got that email, you read it. They don't need you. So then what? And he's like, nothing. I told you about it and that's it. And I'm like, did you respond to the buyer? And he's like, no. What what would I say? Thank you for responding. Oh my goodness, right? So we're so selfishly driven about what we want as sellers that we forgot our P's and Q's, right? This is basic manners. Amy, hi, thanks for your response. Also, think about polite pushback. So if you find a company and you know you they are prime for you, you can help them, you've done your due diligence, show me you know me, you've done your research, all that stuff. If you get a buyer who says, hey, now it's not the right time, or we don't need a product like yours. If you disagree adamantly in your mind, think of just a nice way you can push back. Hey, I truly understand. I actually get that from a lot of buyers initially in your perspective. If I could just offer a different point of view in case it helps, here's a way that we support an organization like yours who made a calculated difference or whatever. Again, no worries whatsoever. Happy to stay in touch if not as other time, but at least wanted to offer this. Very polite pushback, different point of view, suddenly to get them to say, hi, I didn't think of it that way. And then I think the other thing to think about is when we book meetings. So how to make somebody feel like just a number when they do respond to your email and they say, great email. We actually have a name for your product. We'd love to meet. How's Friday at two? When you very greedily and urgently, I'm all for the urgency, but when you greedily send an invite before you send a thank you, that communicates something to me, which is the only thing you're after is my deal and my money. So instead, three things that I would do here. One, respond with gratitude. Amy, thanks so much for responding. So excited to hear, really excited to chat with you. Just wanted to say, I appreciate the response and I'll send you a calendar invite in just a moment. There's no ask, there's no anything that they have to get back to you with. And the second thing is you send that invite. Let's also think about the subject line in there. I get so many invites that say discussion. And I'm like, <laughs> with who? What is it about, right? So now you just have discussion on the calendar instead of what it should be, which is the name of your company and you, plus the name of me and my company, plus initial discussion or the purpose of the call. What a great additional lever to pull for you as a sales rep to have your name listed in the subject line. Final thing, connect with them on LinkedIn. And this stuff goes for the people who say thanks but no thanks and for the people that take your meetings. Connect on LinkedIn. I realized now wasn't the right time. I'd love to stay in touch here. Thought I would say hello. That's it. For the people that are taking a meeting with you, just like we, you and I had talked about earlier, connect on LinkedIn, right? Make sure that you say thanks so much for responding to my note. 
really excited for our meeting, that I would say hello here. And that goes to anybody that accepts for the meeting. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just it's like brilliant. Like the amount of intention, like I know you talk about EQ a lot and how that is one of your superpowers, but even just thinking about what does this calendar invite look like when it's showing up on somebody else's calendar? I mean, even just putting their name or your name first, right? Yeah. Knowing that it is going to sit on their calendar, but I just, I love hearing you speak with that intention, like the amount of time that you've clearly spent thinking about others. It's incredible. Well, so talking about this polite pushback, like I know that you and your team is very much in demand, but it's got to be hard to not be able to do as much of the individual coaching anymore, Sam. Like, how do you cover that one from a business perspective? Like, how do you think about that? I, it's incredible, right? Because you, when we, when I started this business, I was like, well, that's going to be, that's going to be what I do. It's going to be one-on-one. But when they when your demand picks up, your bandwidth thins out. And so I, as much as I would love to do the one-on-one, I just, I just don't have the time for it anymore. So it's actually, it's a reason why I started our short subscription. So I thought about how often even, not even corporations would reach out, but I would have an AE or a brand new leader or hell an SDR that was like, hey, can I get an hour of your time? And I was like, no. One, because my hourly rate is basically your rent or mortgage payment. Now, the second thing is I don't want you don't I don't want you to have to pay that, right? So let's figure out a way to get everything that's out of my brain and into a subscription. So we created Sam Shorts probably two years ago. I think there's 44 or 45 videos in there, super short things to teach you all kinds of things that happen in sales, much of which we talked about today. The masterclasses in there, but it's awesome because it's on our website today. It's $145. You get it. It's an annual fee. We add four new lessons every single month. Like what an awesome investment to make in yourself. And I'll say the other thing too, right, is we started a women's group. So we have a women's group. It's completely free of charge to be a part of. And the cool thing about it too is like, just the rave reviews afterwards. So it's a women's leadership group. You do not have to be in leadership to do it. You just come in and help, come and listen to the topics that we talk about. We talk about imposter syndrome. We talk about being underestimated. That's what we talked about last time. We talked about managing up, how to deal with bosses that have absolutely no idea what they're doing in sales, which is super fun. I don't record the sessions. They're totally free, right? And it's just an awesome opportunity to learn, to come and talk about whatever is on your mind or to never say anything at all and just to learn from other people. So I think just two ways that I can spread my bandwidth around and still make the impact that I've been hopeful to make. Oh my gosh, that's so polite. Very very polite of you. Sam, this is amazing. Okay, so how can people find you? Yeah, you guys come say hello on LinkedIn, of course. You can follow me there. I post tons of content on a weekly basis. Come sign up for our website. It's at samsalesconsulting.com. You will get our newsletter if you sign up. Paige is our head of marketing. She's really funny and gives me a lot of shit in our newsletters as well. So it'll be a good laugh for you and some good teachable moments there. And then come and hang out. If sign up for a short subscription, make an investment yourself. Come sign up for our webinars or a women event. I'm pretty accessible there. Would love to help if we can. Be of help. Yay. All right, Sam, I know I said it at the beginning, but I got to say it again. Thank you for doing what you do for this community. I just, I respect it and I appreciate it. And I've learned so, so, so much about how I sold and I'm a better sales enabler because of what you do. So thank you. And thank you, of course, for making time for us today. I appreciate you. Thanks, Bob. Thank you so much for having me for these thoughtful questions. And thanks for sharing me with your audience. All right, all 
That wraps another installment of Revenue Real Hotline. Today's episode was produced by the fabulous Nian Fiedler. Naturally, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their brilliance and stories with us. And thank you too, listener. I know you've got a ton of options and I appreciate you choosing us. For anyone who wants to support the show, do follow us wherever you listen and be sure to join us next time for more conversations designed to help you make better decisions and find more joy while selling. I'm Amy Rahovchik and that's a wrap.